Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, we'd love you to give us a Google review. Just hit the Google review button on the homepage. Please get involved by adding your comments in the comments section below. If you'd like to email us, the address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. The show is also available as a podcast out on Monday at 10am following the Sunday broadcast. And it's available on all of those major platforms that you see over on the right hand side of the screen. We're also live every Monday on Dilsa Radio as well. So we welcome new listeners there. Let's take a look at the week's property news with a special guest this week uh, alongside our uh, resident expert, Joe Joshi. We have Howard Starr joining us, who is, of course, a um, senior branch manager at Ellis & Co, because we're talking a lot today about rentals. Joe, welcome and hello to Howard. Hello. Hello, good morning and welcome uh, welcome to Howard. Uh, thanks for joining us, Howard. Um, it'll be an interesting uh, new view to get. Uh, uh, we've always had Cam join us, uh, give us his wisdom, but uh, we're looking forward to yours uh, in terms of the um, a big letting stories that we have. Indeed, because uh, the rental market report is out from Zoopla. This is for March 2023, and it makes for some interesting reading. The residential rental market has been running very hot for two years, they're saying, with something of a perpetual boom in residential rents, which continue to run well ahead of earnings growth. So average rents for new lets have increased by 11.1% in the last year, while earnings have increased by just 6.7%. Rental inflation has slowed slightly from 12.3% in mid-2022, but there's no sign of any imminent slowdown. Rents have risen by 20% in three years, an extra £2,220 a year, which is an ongoing concern for renters, especially those, of course, on lower incomes and also on uh, housing benefit. So this report takes a detailed look beneath the headlines into what is driving the boom in rental demand and why we're not seeing um, supply-side response. The two key questions are... When will we see rental growth slow? And is there a risk to rapid rise in rents, meaning landlords overshoot and need to recorrect in the future? So I guess let's go straight to uh, Howard and ask you, Howard, um, what is the situation that you, are you seeing this kind of uh, situation that rents are running hot in your area? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, looking at rents over the last couple of years, as the report says, have increased. Um, and at the moment, don't seem to be showing much sign of slowing down um, with properties coming available uh, and being taken very, very quickly. Uh, sometimes multiple uh, tenants trying to get the same property uh, are obviously pushing the rates, um, the rents up. And with less properties coming to the market, you've got the supply and demand effect, um, which is just fueling the fire, so to speak. And Joe, are you seeing the same thing? Yes, Paul, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the whole market has had a change. Um, there was a time going back in history when um, property sales was actually the prime earner and, and the lettings was the poorer relation. It has now become the other way around, primarily because of the affordability that is uh, now unachievable by first-time buyers in some of the uh, properties they want to buy. The rental market obviously is now at a boom stage and with the current circumstances in lending and of course the hike in interest rates that's been continues to go on it has actually moved everybody towards rental uh, purely because of that uncertainty 
and therefore is the ordinary thing of supply and demand. And as the demand is very high and the supply is getting tighter, um, of course, rent prices have been going up and subsequently it's made things a little bit challenging. Um, on the other side of that, and the flip side of that, of course, is that the, the things that the government's been doing to try and deter in individual and uh, uh, investor landlords into the buyers let um, kind of put them on a bit of a, 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 a wall to say which way do they go? Do they actually just sell up and get out or do they continue? And um, I think you'll find that at the moment the choice is somewhat limited <laughs> other than to continue. Yeah, they're saying that uh, annual rental inflation is up at 11.1% and demand relative to the five-year average is up 51%. Apparently, uh, um, the uh, estate, agency, estate agency branches are seeing rental demand at double the five-year average. And demand for rented homes and rental inflation took off as the, as the economy reopened in spring of 2021. And there were two key measures that the government uh, put in place to, to, that really um, helped. And that was, of course, uh, um, opening the doors for immigration to uh, allow in um, skilled workers that relaxed the um, major shakeup of the, the visa rules and attracted skilled talent was one of the drivers of record high net immigration, totaling 504,000 people in the year to June 2022. And of course, uh, also, um, they were they were making sure that they had uh, the right sort of workers coming in and the Ukrainians were uh, also brought into the country under the humanitarian schemes and that's certainly not helped to um, exacerbate the situation to ease the situation has it Joe? No I mean the demand for for housing and, and letting is, is huge and even even as early as um, this week uh, there have been changes being made and, and muted about uh, rehousing um, the refugees from hotels into um, lettable properties, be it uh, blocks of flats or, or, or a, a new um, estate being put together on airfields and um, former runways, etc., from the Air, uh, Royal Air Force. Um, and th th sometimes these are drastic but yet unthought out me measures, and I think that they are very unthought unthought. They've not been thought through at all uh, in, in my mind um, and I think people are just reacting. Whereas um, the, the the situation with on the road, I mean where Howard probably will be able to give you a, a, a much more current picture because you know being in a branch literally at, at, the, at the high street levels you would actually see the number of footfall and inquiries that will actually determine whether the demand is now um, outstripping the supply um, directly. Yeah, again, very much so. I mean, um, to give examples, properties are, are made available um, on the, um, the property portals and, and within the first six to, to eight hours, you can receive upwards of 50, 80 inquiries um, for people looking to rent, um, people looking to commit to a property without even viewing it which which we don't work with because it's not great you know you have to get people into these places um but people are i would say to quite a phrase sort of clambering over themselves um to to get the property yeah we have um <coughs> Uh, as I see the the record immigration um, driving up the, uh, the the demand and of course also um, 
overseas students are at a record high, 680,000 uh, students in 2022, to, up to 2022, and then another 122,000 in the two years um, since then, a uh, year since then rather, thanks to the new visa rules. So that's uh, that's exacerbating the situation. Howard, are you also seeing that the number of properties being offered for rent is, is falling off, or do you think that's fairly static? Um, no, I think it's, it's, it's sort of holding itself where it is. Um, in a normal market, you've got tenants moving um, because they're moving area or their family's getting bigger, so they're moving from smaller properties to bigger properties. At the moment, tenants are not looking to move as freely as they used to. So therefore, you, you know, the, the influx of new properties coming to the market is being held back. Um, part of that is because obviously if they move out of a property into a new one, the rents are going to be higher. Sometimes landlords will hold rents a bit for they've had there a few years, but when they come available, they go straight back to the current market value. Um, and there's also a, a number of landlords who, for various reasons, have decided now's the time to maybe come out of that particular market. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're also seeing record levels of retirement, Joe. People have just said, you know what, I think this is probably a good time after what happened in uh, the pandemic for us to just uh, call it a day in general. So. Uh, landlords seem to be maybe doing the same thing. Maybe this is the sort of full stop and a new paragraph. Yes, there's definitely a full stop and a new paragraph, a new chapter and a new a new type of landlord coming into the market um, because the, the older generation as such, which were uh, established for many, many years into the rental market, have either decided that taxation is now becoming a huge issue uh, and, and actually maintenance and, and managing them is becoming an issue. And also they've got to look at the exit situation from their point of view that it's better for them to exit while they're around than for someone else to have to exit and pay exorbitant tax um, duties that will be um, due um, going, going forward. So, yeah, there is a, a new type of uh, uh, landlord coming into the marketplace. The other reason for that, Paul, is that basically uh, the amount of borrowing and the funding. So a lot of people, a lot of the older ones had properties that may be unencumbered to some extent and were enjoying the full benefit of the rent that was coming in. Um, but now we're having to consider people that are going to have to borrow and start again. And some of the older properties may be not as attractive as some of the new ones are. And if you you know look around the country, there's a lot of new builds that have been going on, even though they seem to be a lot that seem to be vacant and not finished. And people are sort of saying, oh, they're already pre-let, but there's still enough around. Um, the problem is, I think that the directive or what the government's been doing in terms of the taxation policies is actually driving some previous landlords and deterring some new ones. It's interesting that Zoopla talk about the fact that uh, the number of privately rented homes remains largely static in actual fact. From 2021, in 2021, there were 5.5 million uh, private rented homes in Great Britain, slightly more than the 5.4 in total in 2016. Um, this follows a doubling of the number of private rented homes between 2002 and 2015, which of course was driven by landlords using buy-to-let mortgages. So in simple terms, a static supply of rental housing means new, invest, uh, means new investment that adds supply is offset by properties leaving the sector as landlords dispose of rented homes as part of an ongoing portfolio rationalisation or exit from the rental market altogether. So is the suggestion that actually there's probably as many, almost as many coming in as there are going out as churn going on. Do you see any of that, Howard? 
Yeah, I, th I think you've got, you've got it right there. There are, um, I think, as Joe said, people looking to exit the market for various different reasons. I think um, the complexity of being a landlord in today's market than it was maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I used to get quite a few buyers who were looking to remortgage, uh, an older buyer looking to remortgage from their um, residential property to buy the investment property. Um, that doesn't happen much of, uh, anymore. And a lot of them are either uh, incidental landlords or professional landlords. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's, I think being a landlord has become a much more difficult thing to be. Um, and at the moment, that's where I think you've got the levelling off, where you've got just just enough people staying in it um, to sort of allow the ones that want to get out and the lack of new ones coming in. So it's holding its own, but only just, I think. Yeah, and they're saying there's a slight slowdown in the landlord's sales in face of weaker sales <coughs> in the sales market. Some 11% of homes listed for sale on Zoopla in early 2023 were formally rented. This is a reduction from just over 13% last year. So it still remains above average. And the tax changes and growing regulation, as you say, and the higher borrowing costs are leading many private landlords to review their portfolio and the pros and cons of investing in housing. But do you think, Joe, there might be an element where they're saying, well, look, I'm, hard, I'm going to find it hard to sell because it's not a seller's market at the moment. The price is going down from what I could have got from it. So maybe I should just hang on for it. And, and, and when I look at rents going up the way they are, maybe I could make the figures work or get close to making them work for a while. Yeah, I think um, basically, Paul, where, where that is happening is that it, it is, it is a, a, a needs must and, and a choice that you don't really want to have um, or have, should I say. And the reason is that, yes, um, prices, um, if you speak generally, are a bit tipping down a little bit, may have more of a correction. Um, loan to, to value borrowing has been high. So subsequently, they're really not in a position to, to sell. And even if they were to sell, in some cases, and there was any margin, that would be taken up by any um, CGT, capital gains tax, because it's a, an investment property. Now, overall, it's now stacking against them to sell, but because the rents have been going up, it is just about getting them into a point where the rental income coming in is actually beginning to allow to wash its own face. The problem is, it's the long-standing old rents that are causing the problem. The new ones obviously are paying what they have to pay, and God knows how they're paying those, to be perfectly honest with you, but they are having to pay them. Um, but the ones that were in there for a long time, those are the ones that are going to find it hard to lift. So, I mean, at one time, you know, one bedroom flats were eight, nine hundred pounds. In some cases now, one bedroom flats are twelve, fourteen hundred pounds. And so that could work better in the new let, but it doesn't work better for the old lets um, in, in that sense. The other side of the coin on this is that institutions have come in thick and fast over the last 10 years. You know, it's a bit like the man from the Prue and his bicycle principle. You know, they used to work on this sort of drip, drip process. And what's happened is a lot of um, institutions have come in now and started to buy portfolios or buy out letting agents that provide a drip, drip income um, out of managing those things. And so that makes it a little bit more challenging because A, regulations have become tight and B, as a corporate with plenty of money behind them, they can probably comply more easily to those um, regulations than perhaps uh, small independent people can. So the attraction for corporations is in, and that's pushing out the small independent landlord. 
in my opinion. I'm sure um, Howard would have have something to add to that because obviously he must see it, you know, more on the front line. Yeah, there is an there is an element of that happening out there in the marketplace, um, but it's uh, you're quite right with the with the older lets where you've got established tenants and um, people that are not looking to move the rents are not really at, at today's level and that's making it difficult because the landlords are having to remortgage where there's a mortgage in place and if you've got an, a, a tenant that's been there three four five six years that you don't want to move on but you're now fixed rate is maybe you know five five nine nine six two five as opposed to being fours and threes last time they remortgaged two three years ago um obviously the difference isn't there anymore so it's it's making it very difficult for them um you know and and those those landlords are looking to either renegotiate or try and bring their property back to the marketplace yeah but the, the, the institutions sorry. are there as well but it's affecting the the individual landlords yeah, the report talks about the economics of the private landlord changing fundamentally. The equity needed to buy new rented homes with a mortgage has been increasing in recent years as a result of rising house prices, lower rental yields and uh, tighter lending criteria. This has been exacerbated over the last six months by rising mortgage rates. So buy-to-let mortgages are generally interest only. Lenders require the rental income generated by a property to be at least 125% of the mortgage interest payments for lower rate tax payers and an increase of 140 this increases to 145% for higher rate taxpayers, reflecting tax changes made in 2016. Today, banks are stress testing the affordability of new buy-to-let loans much more stringently than they used to. And actually, if we look at the chart um, here, you can see um, the difference between quarter one 2022 and quarter one 2023, the amount of deposit needed to buy uh, to buy-to-let in various parts of the country and Obviously, you've got uh, higher rate taxpayers paying more, but you can see in London the shoot up in the size of deposit required um, to get a new buy to let. So basically, it just doesn't stack up, does it, Howard? You've got to find a huge amount of money, particularly when you consider that that rental yield from that property. So in London, for example, the equity needed to invest has jumped from 129,000 to over 257,000, as you can see on the graph, or 50% of the property value. And it's a sizable deposit to find when the gross rental yield is going to be around 4%. Yeah, it, it, it's very much the case with the, with the calculations on how the lenders look to lend on, on buy-to-lets. It's, it's very rarely based on an, individual's, uh, an individual landlord's income. It's based <coughs> on the rental return. Um, and obviously, as the property prices had increased over the last couple of years um, and rents hadn't moved, interest rates go up and you haven't got the difference there. So it makes it much more difficult. Hence, the, 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 the higher deposits required in order to make the calculations work. Uh, and that's where the rent increases are starting to, to help a bit. But, but having to put such a large amount down uh, to purchase a, a buy-to-let property um, makes it in a lot of cases, out of reach for, for people that would have done it, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And as you said earlier on, the amount of regulation required to, to, to actually keep the thing running and to stay on the right side of the law is just beyond what most normal people that are doing this as a side hustle, if you like, um, uh, would we want to take on. But having said that, Joe, there is regional differences there. So yes, London and the southeast, as you might expect, and the east and southwest of this country, uh, all um, seeing massive rises in the amount of uh, equity they need to put down. But if you get to look in some of those areas like the northwest or in Scotland or even in the northeast, not a lot of change there, but you're probably going to have to get a 60 or 70% loan-to-value mortgage. 
Yes, I mean, London is almost at 50% now, Paul, uh, in order to even give it a return um, uh, on, on an average um, flat price. I mean, 4% 4, 4 return is just not palatable anymore um, under the current circumstances. And then if you're plowing 50% into it to borrow, uh, to actually purchase the property, give you a return of 4% when <clears throat> we know that if you're putting that same money into the bank, it's four and a quarter percent as opposed to 4% return. So the, the, the attraction in London is becoming um, a less attractive, yet in other parts of the country, it's probably better. But of course, we know historically that whilst you know, the leveling up and the commitment to try and move people to other parts of the country, it just doesn't have the, the attraction of the bright lights of London. And, and uh, even then, you know, even though in the, during the pandemic time, we found lots and lots of people going for, you know, running for the, for the, the race, race for space was the, 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 the punchline word at the time. I mean, they, they're now sort of legging it back for the race for, race for less space <laughs> into, into, uh, into the biggest towns and cities. And even when workers were working, you know, um, from home, that is worn away now. Um, with um, quite a big mental health health issue where people are wanting to get back into an environment where they they got colleagues and they want to work with other people and, and be around. So there's a lot a lot of changes that are the underlying changes that actually we don't see on the on the on the front line, or at least the customer doesn't see it. But we see that happening in these graphs where you can see that London is getting expensive to buy and then to rent and get a return. And the other parts of the country is still attractive, but not attractive for people to be there if they can if they can help it. They say that there's a continued interest in investing um, uh, in property, but focusing now on buying lower value homes, probably in less desirable areas with uh, um, a better rental yield. Um, and looking at sectors of the market where that might happen. So, for example, like, say, in the northeast and the northwest. But uh, I guess you're going to have to really have to be fairly near where your rental properties are to be able to service them, I would imagine. Do you have many remote landlords from far away that are, are renting property in your area, Howard? Um, not, not huge amounts. The majority of, of landlords are relatively local. Um, you get situations which changes where they are, you know, based in the UK and then going overseas or, or coming to the UK, spend some time and then go back to overseas. But generally, uh, landlords buy within, have rented properties and buy rented properties within an area they're familiar with. There's always a worry that um, the non-professional, the incidental landlord is not going to buy something in Middlesbrough whereas a, a professional one might buy because, they, you know, it's, to them it's their business uh, and they can control that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a new investment uh, focus on revenue and yield and we can see um, in this next graph here uh, a number of interesting um, scenarios. So let me just take you through it on the screen here um, and for the benefit of those listening on the podcast who can't see the screen. So what we have here is the how the, the face of the PRS, the private rented sector, is changing. So HMOs um, are, are, are at 9% of the total rental market, but they're delivering a yield of between 7 and 10%. Then you've got um, holiday lets and short lets 
which are 8% as well, uh, uh, at 8%, and they've got an 8 to 12% yield, um, which is an interesting one. We'll come on to that in a second. But then you've got the long lets to people on housing benefit, which is 18% of the market, and then long lets, which is the normal market rents, which is obviously the vast majority, almost half of uh, the rentals out there are long let market rents at 48%, which are delivering between 4 and 7%. So we did know and we have reported on this show that there's been a, a, a much increased uh, interest in HMOs, obviously there's more increased regulation on that, but HMOs seem to be able to deliver better yield. But this uh, holiday and short let seems a, an interesting proposition at 8 to 12%. Are you seeing a rise in interest in, in that in the market, um, Howard? Um, yeah, there's a little bit. I think a lot of that is based on locations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you tend to find that um, the short lets is, is, isn't really a, if you take London as an example, uh, the suburbs, you don't get a huge amount of short lets. It's mainly in town, um, the people coming over for short term. Um, so it's not, it's not a huge player in, in, in the game that I work in. Um, but I do know that there, is, there are more of it than there used to be. HMOs, Joe, that's one that seems to be the houses of multiple occupation. Don't want to get too jargon-esque about all of this, do we? So a single dwelling, which is, has been divided into little individual flats and uh, people are renting the rooms in there. Um, and, and that can prove to be quite uh, profitable when it's done properly. Yes, it is. And also the reason why that's become popular, because it's just a, a big challenge for individuals to go and want to rent all by themselves, even if you're looking at a one-bedroom apartment to rent when it, the rents are almost double it's it's a challenge so people are finding it easier to be perhaps going back in time and you know renting a room and sharing the facilities and and getting on that so the hmo side of it the problem with hmos is again if it's done correctly they can be really profitable and, and, and a good place for people to be but uh, sadly most hmos don't have a great re reputation because they're just cramming and cramming in lots and lots of people into um, into the into the into the rooms and finding that 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 is not actually helping the marketplace. So it gives it a bad reputation, though it gives the uh, landlord a very good yield or uh, investment on return. Uh, it doesn't always make it good reading for tenants who are probably struggling in there. I don't know if you've uh, <clears throat> just want to sort of switch on the subject there, but recently things have got probably a little bit more challenging for housing associations and councils because the government has, uh, I don't know if anybody's been you know, listening, but we've been running ads now on, on radio, which I'm sure are a bit suicidal to a large extent because, you know, they're saying to um, tenants, oh, if your bathroom isn't working or things aren't right, you've got to call us. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to be the receptionist listening to those calls right now um, on the basis of what they, but, I suppose what they're trying to do is they're trying to sort of bring up this leveling up and saying, you know, we're, we're making noises to national or housing association types of landlords. But of course, what happens with that is the ordinary private sector landlord is going to get tired with the same brush um, because we'll say, well, if they can do it, you can do it. You know, um, I've had I've had a tap that's been leaking for a while and you haven't bothered to come in and put a washer in it. You know, and, and so all of those things are going to make things even more challenging for landlords. Um, and of course, to top it that with the with the potential of the EPC three uh, EPC C rating, which is obviously now looming closer than we think, even though it's not become law, 
But the way the government's going, I, I can't see it long before it becomes law, and then 2025 is not that far either. Is it... Uh, 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 we're talking in the report about, uh, um, Howard, um, renting to those on housing benefits. Is I mean, there was always a, uh, you know, there was a belief that at one time, you know, you were guaranteed your rent, you'd always get your rent. It was, uh, you know, set by the government and you, you would get what you what you needed and, uh, you know, it was reliable income, maybe not the best yield, but is, 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 is it still popular, housing benefit for landlords? Yeah, it, it very much so. I mean, there's, there's still quite a high percentage of, of prospective tenants who do come in uh, looking for rented properties with either um, some sort of assistance or full assistance uh, with housing benefit. Um, I think there was a stigma years ago that there were, you know, people on housing benefit weren't great tenants. Um, that was, I think, more of a, you know, a feeling than in actual fact. But even now, I would say there's a good 30 to 40 percent of inquiries we get have some sort of element of, of, of help with the rent. Um, but it, it's still a lot out there. Yeah. It's interesting the saying that in London the yield is probably the lowest in the UK, although the price of buying the property and also, of course, the amount that we revealed a moment ago, the deposit to put down to buy the buy-to-let in the first place, um, it's actually pr proving to it reduce the amount of rental yield in the long becoming run. A, yeah, becoming a real issue now, Paul, um, and the yield for, like we said earlier on, that if, if, you're, if you're buying in London now, the problem with that is that your deposit is almost 50%. Whereas in other parts, you were maybe 25 or 20% on a buy-to-let mortgage. The problem is the buy-to-let mortgage has become so expensive that it's not giving the right returns on the, on the yield. So London is becoming more expensive. And yes, people are moving further out to try and do that. If you are a, as Howard says, a institutional landlord, you don't really care because you're looking just sort of almost a bums on seats situation. You just want to fill the rooms, fill the property, and get the best return you can for the investment and that doesn't matter anywhere in the country but the others that are you know the sort of um chosen landlords are probably thinking well actually you know i don't want to be too far and therefore you know what do i want to invest in so that their borrowing becomes a bit more challenging so the question is where does this all go at the end of the day i mean our risks are rents at risk of overshooting, for example? I mean, surely there becomes a point when, you know, tenants just say, I just literally cannot afford to pay that. And if everybody's in that situation, surely at some point the rents will come crashing down to where affordability currently sits. Howard, what's your thoughts on where yeah. this is all going to end up? Yeah, I, 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 my, I mean, my personal thought is, you know, people, um, it's a bit, I was talking to one of the guys in the office uh, during the week and we were talking about, the, you know, when people, when you get 15, 20, 30, 40 people want to view a property, you create this sort of eBay auction type thing where it's easy to click and click and click. And what you tend to do is you get into the, the excitement of clicking and forgetting how much you're, you're actually committing to. And the worry at the moment is, is that people are, rents, properties are coming back on the market after being let for two or three years, the rents are increasing. We're getting people offering above it because they want to secure the property. Um, and the worry there is that people are doing it to secure it. Once they get in and then they get the added cost of, you know, of gas, electricity, council tax, food, life, um, you know, it, it would hit home and suddenly say, well, hang on, we may have overcommitted here. And I get personally, I think we're not a million miles away from hitting that level where people are just saying anything to get a property. 
you know, and, and three, four months in uh, are going to start struggling to pay it. And I, I don't think we're a million miles away from that. No, you can understand a situation where, you know, you've gone in and you've offered the rent that's being uh, asked. And, uh, you know, as you say, you've been turned down five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Mm. Uh, and then you realise that that's why you were turned down, because someone's over offered. And then you think, well, I've, I've, if I can't beat them, join them. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a, it is the case. There's some people clambering to, 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 to get to secure the property um, and you get a little bit of an auction situation. You know, it's not something we encourage. Um, because as we do know, you know, it's uh, auction, people can get a bit carried away uh, and commit to more than they really want to. Joe, what's your thoughts on where all this is going to end up? I think uh, at the moment people are committing just because getting a roof over their head is, is uh, important. Um, and once they're in, you know, they will, and there's always going to be a, a number of people that will just say, okay, well, I'll do this to get in so that I can actually at least have the roof over my head and then I'll deal with it when I'm in. Um, and that's the worry for, for the landlords is that sometimes, you know, so it's very important for landlords and agents and of course the tenants to be about as true and as real as they can. And it's, it may be that the highest offer is not always the best offer. Uh, it may be that the person that is slightly lower in the offer might be a stronger candidate who has sustainability and is able to, you know, have a longevity in that renting, as opposed to somebody who might pay high, find that they're locked them in, and then find that six months down the road they're struggling, which then means that the landlord and the agent are back to square one, trying to find another person, and you might have a void period. So if you have a void period in that time, to be honest with you, you've done yourself no no favors because you you should have taken them at perhaps the lower offer, but more stronger than the one that's higher and then let's have a void period but that void period is actually now cost you in terms of affordability they're saying average rents expressed as a percentage of earnings are now at or close to a 10-year high in all regions except london and this will start to impact the pace of rental growth over 2023 which will expect to slow to four to five percent by the year end so we're seeing those rentals just rising and I, and I guess landlords are having to uh, somehow pass on the, the extra cost of the borrowing presumably uh, to the tenant which is one of the reasons why this is happening but they can't see much uh, much change in this situation it's just going to continue like this through the rest of the year so i suppose howard um you know, do you have any thoughts and tips for those people who are continually getting turned down for properties who don't want to uh, offer over the, um, the the rental asking price? Yeah, listen, it's it's extremely difficult for for those sort of people, as uh, as as we've discussed. People need to have a roof <laughs> over their head. Um, you know, people need places to live, and it is extremely difficult when you know when you can only rent a property, obviously, to one party, and you've got to turn away five, six, eight, or ten other people. Um, I think that what we're saying to people is they need to be very proactive um, in sourcing properties, um, making sure they're talking to agents regularly, um, keeping an eye on what comes available, and, and making themselves available to get out and see these properties. You know, it, but it's extremely difficult. Um, and I, I and I can understand the frustration that's, that a lot of people have when all they want to do is house themselves. One thought, Joe, if you're looking to sell a property on the open market at the moment, and obviously the market's weak and people aren't buying, as you've said earlier on, what's um, 
what do you think about the notion that perhaps they should even consider looking at all these uh, rises in rental incomes that they could get from properties? Should they consider renting out the property they can't sell? I think that's going to be inevitable at this precise moment, Paul. Um, and you know, if the properties on the market and circumstances. There are there are circumstances that means that they've got to sell, and, and if they've got to sell for whatever those circumstances are, they will sell and have to sell at the price that is being offered in the marketplace. If they can't afford to take that, then they've got to start to sort of think about, you know, whether they can sustain it, rent a room out, uh, um, share it, or if necessary, um, just move out and move back home. I've, I've known of situations where I've spoken to people where they've now actually um, rented the house out and moved back in with parents because they'd rather not lose the money on, on the house. The parents have said, don't lose the money on the house. You may as well come back to your own room. Uh, as much as they probably don't really want to see them back home, but they do, they get them back home. And um, and uh, the next thing is they rent the house out or the flat out in order to make sure that it's washing his face. So many, many uh, situations are having to be considered at this moment. Well, gentlemen, I think that's probably run us out of time, actually. Just that one report, which was so full of detail, really has taken up all of our conversation today, as I suspected it might do. So, um, Howard, lovely to have you for your debut on the show. Well done. You did a great job for us. And uh, thank you for thank your you very wisdom much. and also your uh, your on-the-street knowledge that you've got right there at the coalface. Joe, thank you as always. And thank you for watching Property Matters. We'll be back at the same time next week.